0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. Tonight is the opening night of RevengeCon, America's premier vengeance convention. Have you been wronged? Do you want payback? Then they have just what you need. No lethal options here, as the RevengeCon motto goes. You'd be surprised what you can live through. You are listening to Dairy Public Radio.
1: Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside C.M. Alexander. Hello, everyone. And joining us via Zoom, a Pennsylvanian filmmaker who has been making films since the age of 15. He created one of the most emotionally visceral dollar babies we've ever seen with his feature film length film garish please welcome to the show aj gribble aj how are you doing today i'm good how about you oh living the dream and so excited (laughs) to talk to you about stephen king and garish yes (laughs) now if you uh if you've heard the show you know that uh, before we can get to the interview proper cm holds the keys to the rest of the interview with her very well thought out meticulous questions that you will need to answer correctly in order to pass on. Are you ready for that challenge? Ooh, let's see. <laughs> yeah.
0: Josh, I wish you would have set the bar a little lower. I, no, this one's really hard for me because of how dark this one is. I can't think of anything cute or funny that would be appropriate, like a bit. So I'm not going to do a bit. I'm I'm just going to straight up ask you. I'm just going to shoot from the hip. My questions. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Oh, my first question What got you into Stephen King? What was your introduction to his work?
2: I believe it was actually my sister. When I was about 12, 13, she showed me uh, Kubrick's uh, Shining. I've only like just heard about King and The Shining and everything else he's done as like a kid. Like my sister or my mom were big readers. I've always been curious like, Stephen King, what is he? Who is he? And it wasn't until I've seen the movie uh, Twister when. At the drive-in, they're showing The Shining, mm-hmm. and that was my only like <laughs> exposure to him at the time. Until I've seen The Shining, I'm like,
1: "Hey, that was a Twister. That's amazing." <laughs> Have you seen The Shining? Oh yeah, that movie from Twister. Oh yeah, I've yeah. I
0: that. I know this isn't what you just said, but I'm in in my head. That's how it happened. Your introduction to Stephen King was Twister. <laughs> we'll that is it. definitely a first <laughs> as far as answers go. <laughs> All right. Last question that determines whether or not you get to move on through the rest of the interview, which I realize sounds really arrogant. Like <laughs> Everybody's kind <laughs> enough to talk to us. And I'm like, well, you might not last.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's and the, what if I do fail? <laughs> then the, the interview ends. I, I, yeah, that's I, just, just, that's I it. just
0: end meeting for all <laughs> very unceremoniously. <laughs> mm. Do you have a Stephen King moment from any of his work? Something that has stuck with you?
2: Honestly, I'd probably have to go with it the book, yeah, reading that for the first time, I was just blown away. Like I've seen the mini series years ago. And I started reading the book before the first part of the movie came out. And I was just reading it and then it started talking about like the turtle and the whole universe and everything. And I'm like, yeah. what is going on? <laughs> it wasn't scary, but it was just like mind blowing.
0: You know, that's a really good point. Usually when you are reading a story, if it is something that is world building in that way, you know that going in. Like that's kind mm-hmm. of why you're reading it. And Stephen King, he sort of surprises you with that in a lot of his books.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I saw the miniseries first and I thought it was just about the clown and like deadlights and that. Mm-hmm. And then when I started how it was, like, it's been there since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is like a King Bible. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
1: The macroverse is just so insane and -hmm. carries through so much the i remember the moment reading it when he talks about Matrin, maturin i forget how to pronounce the turtle's name (laughs) that like him choking to death on a universe i was like what the (laughs) fuck is happening (laughs) such a great moment
0: well you you passed the test because you brought up the multiverse yeah i mean that's (laughs) a surefire way to to win (laughs) So is it your or The Shining are either of those like on your list of favorites, favorite Stephen King movies?
2: Definitely those on my list. But right now at at the top, that really takes the cake is Dr. Sleep. Mm. Yes. Mainly the movie. I read the book and I like it, but there's just something Flanagan did with that movie. That's just
1: like beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There are I think about the baseball boy scene more times a week than I care to admit. (laughs) it's just it's gut-wrenching to think about yeah it's beautiful filmmaking it's so visceral and horrifying i Mm -hmm. love it
0: are there any that i don't want to say you don't like because can you not like something stephen king does (laughs) if you're me the answer is (laughs) no any that just sort of missed the mark for you or in a way that maybe you would think "Oh, i want to see this redone i want to see another go at it
2: Honestly, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> like, I- <laughs> now hear me out. Like, All right. it's goofy. Right. <laughs> it's so goofy. But um, I remember reading like a few years ago that Joe Hill wants to take a crack at it, and I'm like, okay, maybe there's something there that can be redone.
1: Oh man, I'd sign up for that right away. <laughs> yeah, he-,
2: he said it'd be like about like electric cars and them kind of just like yeah. the AI of them.
1: Everything That's- is Kit from Night Rider. That is. So, uh, AJ, you, you did the dollar baby of Garish that was originally from Kane Rose Up. I'm sure this is an annoying question for you to get asked being so young. As we talked about in the intro, you made your first movie when you were 15. At that young age, what started your love of filmmaking?
2: It was just making short little films with my friend with my iPod. (laughs) <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> we would just go outside and we're like, hey, what could we make that's funny or stupid? And we have like so many shorts that we just made for fun. And as I started getting older, I'm like, you know, this would be something really cool to do professionally. So mm-hmm. when I was 16, I started going to my Votech school for audiovisual. And for the next few years, I started learning how to actually write something professionally, how to film, how to edit. And it all just started from that.
1: Do you remember, not necessarily a Stephen King movie or anything, but just a a movie or thing you saw that really made it click? Like, I want to do that. Any, like, directorial influences, things like that? Honestly, probably the um, Evil Den movies. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yes! (laughs) I I learned about them in my audio-visual class. And we were watching something on Sam Raimi, how he didn't really have a lot of money for the first Evil Den movie. And then we watched it in class. And and I'm watching it. I'm like, they didn't do this for like a lot of money. I'm like, I could try doing something like that. Obviously, not to that extent, but just making something and putting it out there. I just thought that was the coolest thing. That's
1: amazing. It's the passion that moves forward so much of film just blows my mind when (laughs) you see things like that and you're like oh fuck i can do that let's make that happen (laughs) (laughs) so you you adapted the short story kane rose up into garish for anybody who hasn't read it what uh what is kane rose up can you give us the plot of that story
2: kane rose up is a short story from his short story collection skeleton crew and the story is mainly about a college boy named Kurt Garish. Uh, it's like the last week of finals and he's not feeling the best. <laughs> uh, he, he starts walking back to his dorm, has some really horrible thoughts about other students. And then basically at the end, he flips and just starts shooting up the school. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Was this the story that you, the dollar baby you knew you wanted to make or were there others? Like what drew you to this one specifically?
2: What drew me was, I got it in 2018 and that's when every week you just heard Mm -hmm. of like new shooting in this school, shooting in this school. And it's like, is it going to stop? I remember seeing that story and it was saying it was from the seventies. I'm like, this is still a topic that resonates today. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this would be
1: something interesting to tackle in a short film. And boy, did you tackle it! <laughs> One of the things that I, I really loved about your adaptation, uh, you changed quite a few things because, given the the short story, I believe the short story begins with Garish entering the dorm, and that's where yours ends pretty much. <laughs> the last five minutes of yours is the, is the short story, and you built so much world around this. But the first thing I want to talk about is the major change of changing the gender of our protagonist to a female. Can you talk a little bit about what provoked that change?
2: Yeah. And first, before I tackle that, I know a lot of book fans or King fans are usually mad if there's changes from the book. But uh, I felt like this one, it wasn't like necessary, but it was something interesting to tackle because when I originally wrote it, it was just like a perfect word from word page to page like adaptation. And the script was only like 10 pages. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, that's only a 10 minute short. And I started thinking like, all right, first, maybe some backstory, how Kurt, when it was could turn out like this at the end. And I looked back at all them, like the shootings, it's like, it's all guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what would maybe want a girl to possibly be provoked and leading up to possibly a shooting. So I figured that was something interesting to put in the film.
0: I really like something you touched on just a minute ago about fans maybe not appreciating some changes in an adaptation, but I feel like just in this past year since the festival and everything, we've all sort of been learning that when you adapt something and you're true to the spirit of it, but you're also true to the spirit of your vision too, I think that enriches it. In a huge way that fans and audience members if they're not just your sort of not to be offensive but like your popcorn general audience i think they they get that and i think they appreciate it
2: yeah i i totally agree i like the way you worded that actually the fans could appreciate the original story still in it but also Mm -hmm. the artistic vision of the filmmaker both combined and it makes something special And that's how I feel I tried to do it. Like, the story is there. It's just, there's a lot more story that was original that really wasn't in the story. Like, Garish's father being, I think it was a priest. Like, it was in one sentence in the short story, but it was still in this film. It was was there.
1: Taking a character to a breaking point is always so intense to watch but i think it adds it when you see at the very beginning how i don't know color by numbers her life was at the beginning mm-hmm. it seemed like when you showed her when you introduced this character it seems like her whole life has been planned out for her and if she you know just does what she's told that things will be okay and your film almost starts out with her immediately breaking the rules <laughs> And <laughs> she has, like, having her friend to bring her a change of clothes so she doesn't have to dress that way when she meets this group of people. And it all just kind of goes out of control from there. When you were creating this spiral for her to go down, how far back did you take that? Like, I want to start right from Jump Street, her breaking rules and making mistakes. Was it an intentional that you wanted the audience to see her start breaking small rules and it escalate that way?
2: Yeah, in a way, yes. Like I want to show, obviously it wasn't shown too much in the film, but like, like you said, she was like normal a little bit in the beginning. And then it was her first day of college and her friend, she's like, oh, you can't dress like that. Like, it's already like evil starting to take over, like right from the beginning. And then scene by scene, there's something that just keeps eating at her, or destroying her. And then obviously it all leads up to that final 10 minutes of where the actual short story is. And it's like, it all makes sense.
0: I really like the way you, you and the actress, I mean, everybody involved kind of played with that concept, you know, in, in horror movies, it's a very beloved and traditional concept that we have, uh, you know, someone who's pure, and they are willing to get involved in things that the movie is telling us, you know, is like evil and bad, and then they're almost punished for that behavior, like the slasher movies, if you have sex, you die. And I don't know if if it was your intention, or if if it was just the natural charisma of your lead. But because of the way she was, it really made you, you're like, well, no, she, this is her time. She should be able to experiment and have fun and be safe and and just live her life. And she's being punished. And I don't know. I just liked that, that twist on it. The departure from the traditional, like, okay, you're bad. Now, here you go.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Natasha, she really brought something else to that character. Like it was obviously like she helped a lot build that character when I was going through it with her, she was always like making little uh, changes to the character. It's like, because it was changed from a guy to a female in the script, I'm not a female, so I don't really know Mm -hmm. the problems of a female because I'm a guy. So Mm -hmm. she really helped a lot with that character. Like, oh no, this wouldn't really happen. Let me help change it to what could be realistic.
0: Yes, really genuine.
1: Yeah, the amount of collaboration... It sounds like the two of you had really showed through in the quality. How far into the project was it until Natasha became attached to the role?
2: I'd say after I finished the script, it was probably about two or three weeks. Like, I didn't know her prior, but my dad, he was helping me cast people because mm-hmm. I was like, I was still in high school. I was a junior, I think. Like I didn't even graduate yet. And I was like, I don't want my high school friends in here. Like, it would just look weird. <laughs> so I was like, I want people who look to be adults or college and he's like all right i'll i'll ask around i forget how he found natasha but we met together we started going with the script and she like immediately clicked with it and like, she was honestly really just perfect for it
1: we kept going back to it over and over that she was just giving it everything she had every single take and we absolutely loved her oh yeah she absolutely 100 every
2: take
0: this is going to sound weird. And <laughs> Strap in, let's go. I'm Okay, you guys are going to understand, I think, what I mean. Unfortunately, <laughs> our listeners probably won't unless they've seen it. She won me over so hard with the rape scene because this scene, I've, I've seen a lot of rape in <laughs> movies, you know, and sometimes it's... And nudity and stuff. And sometimes it's gratuitous. Sometimes you can understand this serves a purpose. It's intentional and it enhances what's happening in the scene. And it's really interesting to hear actresses talk about the decision to do scenes like that or even do nude scenes. And you guys somehow made the most tasteful, respectful, heartbreaking rape scene I have ever seen in a film. <laughs> Really? Yes. We were watching and I turned to Josh and I'm like, oh my God, how is this so like visceral and upsetting and seemingly real? Like you feel her her anguish and you want to leap through the screen and help her. It's it's hard to watch. But how how can you do that? And also it's so tasteful somehow. (laughs) Like I I don't know if that's making sense, but
2: (laughs) how do I answer this? Honestly, I don't think I had that intention. <laughs> it, it was written the script and everyone got it and it's going to sound weird, but like they gave it their all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to it. <laughs> Even rehearsing, we're like, this is very serious. It's like, but we don't want that to like overshadow. So it's like, just we're like we're making a movie. It's like, let's try to have fun with it.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Obviously, it came out like you said, like serious and tasteful and heartbreaking. I don't know if we had that intention at first. It was just all meant to be serious for the story.
1: And I think that shows through that it did not, that scene was not something that was, I guess, I don't know how to phrase it, an umbrella that loomed over the whole thing. It It was so impactful. It was mm -hmm. so brief. And the reaction of all the characters following that moment Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. so real. And I think that's what made it, it wasn't gratuitous in action and it was honest in the follow through. Yeah,
0: it wasn't cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, this is it. This is the thing. You know, some people kind of use that to carry everything else. And this was like, I don't know, it seemed important to you guys and it seemed respectful.
2: Right. Yeah, like you said, slashers, like they just use it for one scene and it's like they'll die or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> <As> like,
0: <laughs> well, it's something in slasher movies. they are like, yeah, and I mean, you would not cheer this scene at all. Right. Okay, so sorry, I, I should have saved that for the end. I really <laughs> brought the mood to a weird place.
2: Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I didn't really know how to like.
0: No, answer it here. was my fault because I, I guess I didn't technically ask you a question. I just went on about how cool I thought the rape scene was. So that's on me. <laughs>
2: It's gonna sound weird, but when my mom watched it, she kind she didn't really say that, but she was like, Man, like after like that rape shower scene, she was like, You really had this scene really tasteful without showing much.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, thanks, mom. You know, you know what? This is just okay, that settles it. This yeah. is just a thing women are gonna tap into when they see this.
1: Yeah. I guess. No, and I think it, it already speaks to your inherent talent as a director to in the way it was shot the way it was edited the way it was, the whole thing was executed so i yeah huge kudos to you for even if it wasn't as intentional you nailed it
2: thank you <laughs> <laughs> and like you said uh how it like resonates with women i remember at the stephen king rules film festival reading the live chat that was going on mm-hmm. a lot of the women there were saying that there should have been like a trigger warning or like how they relate to it
1: mm-hmm. well, yeah yeah, that that's a testament to how authentic it can feel for sure. Now, you made this movie when you were a junior in high school. What was that like? <laughs> did like your your friends or like peers at school think it was weird that you were making a Stephen King movie?
0: And way to make me feel retroactively like a loser for not <laughs> doing anything in high school.
2: <laughs> oh no, my school made me feel like a loser. So oh. like they did not like. Support it at oh, all? Oh no! That's wild. That's like, such a huge deal. Yeah, like my school didn't, but my local papers did. I'll try hmm. to find it. I'll send you a picture. But yeah, be awesome. I was actually on the front cover of our like local magazine here for a while. Nice. That was really cool. But then, uh, my school. Uh, I get one of my uh, my aunts. She worked at the office at my high school, and she took the paper and she hung it on like the bulletin board in front of the school. A day later, they ripped it down.
0: <gasps> wow! You know, that sounds I, I, like they were just jelly yeah oh, for sure i think so <laughs>
2: <laughs> my friends and my classmates they thought it was awesome they're like mm-hmm. yeah go you you made a film yeah <laughs> and then my audiovisual friends they were kind of jealous too they're like i was like I, said, I was a junior when they were seniors and they haven't made a film yet
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you made a stephen king film
0: yeah. <laughs> and that I mean honestly that is so cool because I think there are a lot of people especially people who love horror who've had those thoughts and feelings in those moments where like oh I wanted you like have those desires so I'm just curious what made your desire so something that you could turn into a tangible product at such a young age.
2: I think it was just the drive of just wanting to do something big mm-hmm. like like I was 16 And I've only done little short films, and seeing that young filmmakers could do a Stephen King movie, it's like, that's the best thing ever. Yeah. And having the rights for $1, I can do that. And
0: I can afford it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can afford it. (laughs) Once I got that letter back saying, all right, you can do it, it's like, oh, this is real. <laughs> and just off I went. And the support from my my family and my audio visual teacher, Mr. Shainer, they were all amazing with me. And I honestly couldn't have done it without them.
1: When you applied for the Dollar Baby, did you think there was any chance you were going to get it? I thought no, because <laughs> I, I even put down, I'm like, hey, I'm
2: 16. Is this, is it cool to do? i like, yeah.
0: I hope, like, I hope you said that like exactly. Yeah. I, I hope you're not paraphrasing.
2: <laughs> I will find the email. <laughs> I, I, I of course I saved it.
1: Yeah, you should have it framed, man. <laughs> you got a lot of yeah, bare space on the wall behind you. Fill it up with, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blow <laughs> <Fill> it up. <laughs> no, so when all said and done, what is it that you wanted an audience to take away from after they watched Garish?
2: Well, the first, not shoot up a school. Yeah. <laughs> good, strong first step.
1: It's a
0: good message. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and second, just like, just be kind. Like, don't be an asshole to people. It,
1: it, it takes
0: nothing yeah. to be
2: kind.
1: The, that's one of the things that I really loved about not only the film, but uh, watching your interview when you, uh, we watched your interview obviously during the Stephen King Rules Dollar mm. Baby Film Festival about that just being kind and listening because you watch this movie and. You realize that if if Garish had just one person she felt she could have been honest with, mm-hmm. so much of this would have changed.
2: Yeah, that was the biggest thing. And it's like, she did have friends, or at least one friend, and he wouldn't even listen.
0: The other actress you had who was just... <laughs> Horrible to her. Like yeah. that, I mean, could it, she did a really great job because I wanted to strangle her. <laughs> I was like, I hate her so much. <laughs> but which is a compliment. Was any of that intended to be like just literally how she was acting? Or was there a part of her performance that was supposed to be for us, the audience, to see how our main character was? feeling. You know, when something terrible happens and you feel alone and like you have no one to turn to, people are sometimes horrible, but sometimes too. Small things they do that may not be meant to be an injury still injure you. And I was just wondering, were all of her actions really that or was that being filtered to the audience through Garish's experiences?
2: Yeah, I feel like it came through the performance in Garish. Because like, when, when you're writing the script, you don't really think of at the time like how you want them to act. Like you just have all right, say the words in mm-hmm. front of the camera. And, like that's it. Once you finally see them say the words that you wrote on screen, you're like, oh, it's you. Like this is completely different, or this is exactly what I wanted. And like you said, if it was intentional, honestly, not really. It was just the actors just giving it. They're all and it was just brilliant.
1: Can you share any stories from the set in your time of filming this?
2: The night of the party slash rape scene, it was pouring. Oh. And like, when, it was fine for a while. Then we all drove up in one car to the cemetery and it was pouring for like an hour. And we were debating like, when can we like reschedule this? Like, we don't know if everyone's available again. So we're like, should we leave? Should we wait it out? We waited it out and then it was fine. But once we set everything up, the ground was just so <laughs> oh, wet no. and muddy. Oh. So we kind of did change a few things around so it didn't have to be in that grass. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we were on the campus, the first day of shooting, no pun intended, <laughs> um, <laughs> the rifle was a real rifle, but we had um, a few parts on the inside taken out so it can't be fired. We told security, and they were like, oh, yeah, you guys are fine. And then comes the second day, they must have switched security guards mm-hmm. and they didn't tell them oh. that we were oh, filming. No. <laughs> so once we brought that rifle out, oh, no. they came to us. They're like, what the hell? What's going on here? <laughs> like we told there's been a rifle on the campus. I'm like, we're we're filming. We have permission. <laughs> oh, and they're like, we've never been told. I'm like, I've got the papers. Like I've got the emails here. <laughs> So we had to stop oh for a while God. and they're like, wow. all right, just be
1: careful. Like, uh, We'll keep an eye on you.
0: <laughs> just be careful.
1: Don't shoot anybody from up here.
0: Uh, on one and hand. Then we didn't see
1: them the rest of the day.
0: <laughs> it's it's nice. They were paying attention and they cared, but like, come on, everybody, do your job. Yeah, stay in the loop, man.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: And where did you shoot the college scenes? Uh, at King's College in wilkes they? Uh, how receptive were they to you filming a shooting scene there? I filmed it at the end of May. So summer was just starting. So the
2: students were all gone and the dorms were all cleared out. I had a radio show there and I talked to a few people. I'm like, Hey, how could I possibly film a Stephen King movie here with permission? And I had to send a few emails back and forth to like the higher ups at the college. They were really cool with it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I, I even sent them a script. I'm like, hey, if you guys are cool with it, here's the script. See if, you, if you're if you okay with it. And they're like, yeah, we'd be happy to film this year. That's awesome. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> okay sweet. I was, let's jump back a second. You had a radio show on the college campus? <laughs> what is this?
2: Yeah, for about like two and a half years, I had a rock metal radio show there when I was still <laughs> in high school. That's
1: amazing. <laughs> and it was called Deep Cuts.
0: <laughs> that's <Jeez>. awesome <laughs> deep cuts I like that
1: so, so what has the response been to people who have seen the film you got the response from the dollar baby film festival obviously us right now <laughs> but uh, the cast and crew family what has that response been like uh, cast and crew they
2: love it and uh, my family has been mixed <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't name right, right about the cemetery <laughs> is that about when they became mixed
2: yeah and the ending sure
1: yeah (laughs) it's a dark ending. it's not a happy ending no no
2: but um i won't name who in my family but a lot of them were like oh this is great and then half of them were like oh good job
1: (laughs) sure wish you didn't kill those people at the end otherwise this would be great oh you mean the point of the story cool
2: (laughs) in my defense i'm like hey this is Stephen
1: King.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he made blame, it dark, not me. Just blame King.
1: <laughs> Has it been shown anywhere besides the Dollar Baby Film Festival? No, it
2: hasn't. I did a little premiere at my local movie theater when it was just the um, the short.
1: Before I did like the whole prequel for it, but uh, other than that, no. Where do those two things separate? You, you shot the original and then you went back and you did this the more of the prequel story. What was the timeline in shooting those? Before I go into that, I'm blaming uh. Natasha for that. <laughs> She's not here to defend herself. Go for it. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> I'm going to go all out. The short was done. We screened it and I was like, oh, that's that. And then a month or so goes by and I'm like, hey, what if I add one more scene into it? Like a little backstory. And I was talking to Tasha. I'm like, hey, how would you feel about possibly coming back? She's like, oh, it'd be a great idea. And I'm like, all right, well, I have this one scene. It'll be like one minute. And she goes, oh, great. And then I don't hear from her for like four or five days. She comes back. She's like, she gave me like a (laughs) 30-page
0: paper. She's like, she slams it down. She's like,
2: I got an idea. That's amazing. And I'm reading it. I'm like, at first, I'm like, we already filmed it. I'm like, what? (laughs) You want to just all go back? And then I keep reading and I'm like, hey, there's something here. <laughs> <laughs> and it was about a month after that. Then we all got back together and shot all the prequel stuff.
0: It sounds like you two have a really great working relationship and collaboration. Have you done anything else together? Or do you have anything in your future that you're going to work on with her?
2: As the moment? No, we don't have anything, but I would love to work with her again.
1: So if you could... After everything you've done, how it's all turned out, if you could go back and give anybody a piece of advice, if they were doing their own dollar baby, what would that piece of advice be?
2: To just enjoy it. It may seem like it's stressful because you're holding a Stephen King story. So Mm -hmm. you're like, I have to do the best I can. And of course, everyone wants to do the best they can, but just have fun with it. Like you're making a movie. And if you're there with friends or a random crew, whatever, just Have fun with it.
0: I think that would really stress out a lot of people, but it would be a shame to look back on that moment and not be able to, you know, see the big picture and appreciate it and appreciate what you did if you were just so anxious about adapting something like that.
2: Exactly. That's how I felt at first when I, on like day one of filming, Kane rose up. I'm like, oh boy, like, here we go. Like Stephen King. This is, this is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But then uh, as the days kept going on, I'm like, this is great. I love this.
0: <laughs> Was there anything from tackling this project that you learned that you either wish you knew going into it or just, you know, I don't want to make it sound negative, like, oh, did you learn a lesson? But <laughs> what, what did this teach you?
2: It taught me to be a better editor. Because <laughs> I pulled a Robert Rodriguez on this. I wrote, shot, directed, edited, and produced, like, all myself. Wow. And that took me... A little over a year to edit, and it burnt me out so much. (laughs) I bet
0: that's a lot. That's a huge
2: workload. (laughs) And after I was done with it, and I showed it, I'm like, I'm like, I need a break. (laughs) But but I did learn a lot. I did. I learned how to be a better editor, um, especially writing. Like I learned how to correctly format a script, which I never knew how to do before. Mm -hmm. And even just being a better director and learning more with the camera. It it taught me so much.
0: I I imagine going into something like that you probably this is how I would probably end up writing it almost write like everything you want to see happen instead of yeah. you know a script. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, just all
1: the like here's
0: my 800 pages. First. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so what tell us what interests you right now? What's next for AJ Gribble?
2: Well, uh, my friends and I we just started a production company called Dark Valley Entertainment. Nice. And we have a bunch of plans, but uh, we're hoping to film like a little YouTube series at the end of September. So that's my biggest plan right now.
1: Can you give us any, uh, any sneak peek info on what it's about or anything?
2: Yeah, it's more of like a series based on an old short film that we did called My Frightful Night. And it was like one of our first big shorts. And I look back on it now, I'm like, that could have been so much better. <laughs> so, so we're kind of like rebooting it as like a little series to give it more of like better story and give it more of like a horror vibe to it, which I feel like we missed on the first time. <laughs> and I'm excited.
0: Where can people keep up to date with that if, if they want to check it out or see what else you're doing?
2: They can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. But... I don't recommend my Twitter because I just shit posts.
0: (laughs) So my Instagram. (laughs) At least you're
2: honest about it. Yeah, So my Instagram would be more news on my filming projects and also my YouTube and Instagram for Dark Valley. That'll be
1: where all my projects will be. Awesome. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode. For CM Alexander and AJ Gribble, I'm Joshua Kahn reminding you, have fun and do the best you can.
0: Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to our interview of AJ Gribble, director of the Dollar Baby, Garish. We had a fantastic time talking to AJ and we hope you enjoyed listening. Keep up with his work by checking out his website at linktr.ee slash A-J-G-R-I-B-B-L-E. We'll have this link in our show notes as well. Here's the haiku we did for the Stephen King Rules Dollar Baby Film Festival for Garish. Once an outsider, a young girl joins a new group, betrayed, then repaid. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.